What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mixtapes. It's your host, Eric Stanglin. Today's guest on Mixtapes is the owner of Knuckle Bones, which, in my opinion, is the best creators of high end and high crafted collectibles that feature the big spans in music history. Welcome to the show, Mr. Tony Simmerman. How are you doing today, sir? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, first question I always like asking people uh, is what's your first music memory that got you into music? Do you remember? It's a hard one, right? I, I remember for me it was Rod Stewart on. Uh... Other than other than like the the, the first grade Christmas pageant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a lead role in that. No, um, the the heavy stuff and the stuff that we're most known for. Um, you know, I had older cousins and stuff, and you know, this is this was late sixties, seventies, where. The connection with the heavy rock, heavy metal and progressive rock, hard rock stuff started like third grade. I went from my parents decided I needed to go to Catholic school and they took me out of public school and there was no bus. So the neighbor kid who had just graduated high school got signed on to give me, you know, a ride to school. They both parents worked. So he had a uh, 66 Dodge truck with an eight track player. Nice. And, you know, I listened to what the kid's name was Ronnie White. I listened to what Ronnie White listened to. So luckily, Ronnie White listened to Black Sabbath and the James Gang and Deep Purple. And that was how I went to to and from school. So that was the all came from. That's awesome. And, and so did you go to Catholic school for a while then or no? I'm like third to sixth grade. Then I went back to public school. So. I was really, when I got out of Catholic, I was really smart for like the first year of public school. And then I, I went back to dummy public school uh, <laughs> performance. <laughs> Did you, uh, were you like me, man? I went to Catholic school and they had the book covers with the, uh, remember the, the, the book covers and I'd write all the, write all the uh, <laughs> band oh, logos. Absolutely. Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, Sabbath at Catholic school. You know, taking Masters of Reality, I see you got the shirt on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would, we would get, like, you know, recreation time, and you were able to bring some records in. So I, I took Sabbath in. No one ever said anything. Oh, that's amazing, man. Oh, you yeah. like to see the Pope at the end of a rope at Holy Spirit <laughs> Elementary. I remember, uh, you remember the trial where the, those two poor, it was the one kid or two kids killed themselves listening to the Aussie record, and uh, I remember at mass because we had to go to mass at Catholic school and they, they, they talked about that. The priest did. And I swear like every eighth grade kid just stared right at me. And I'm like, cause like I was the black <laughs> Sabbath kid, Aussie kid. I was like, yeah, awesome. yeah, there was that one. And then there was the, the one with, uh, with priest where Halford sang when he was on the witness stand. That was crazy. That, that, ha- that happened where I live really currently yeah man that happened in sparks nevada and uh yeah one of my buddies was actually in the trial where he had to do the whole reversing of the record and stuff like that in the Mm -hmm. studio and yeah it was kind of a big deal i wasn't here for that i lived in new jersey at that time but but yeah that's always still talked about man i i can remember halford's face when they asked him to sing he's like yeah you want me to sing it (laughs) (laughs) okay and then Alfred nails it and like there's some a little bit of applause in the, in the courtroom and the judge gets really pissed like hey knock it off amazing right it's just uh, you know it's uh, unbelievable man unbelievable so you got a kind of an interesting backstory man where your dad was in charge 
and of a uh, of a theater, right? You got to see a ton of great shows, right? Mm-hmm. So he he was uh, he was director of the Navy Band, and we're in Washington D.C. And he, you know, went in the military right when he came out of high school. So I guess he's in his thirties and, and can retire from the military and took a job at, in theater management at a place called Constitution Hall in Washington D.C. So it's a it's a nice concert, very nice concert hall, about 3,000, just under 3,000 seats. So it's, you know, was a big enough, you know, venue where, you know, bands like, you know, the Doobie Brothers, you know, like the Captain and Me era, Parliament Funkadelic, James Brown would play that wow. kind of building. Uh, and then, you know, heavier stuff. But then he goes, he's there for not too long. And he goes to the Kennedy Center, which is... Okay was new at that time. Uh, and he was the manager of the concert hall there. So yeah, from the time I was like nine years old, you know, I just go to work with him and hang around backstage. And that's where I grew up. So I saw all kinds of stuff, not just, just, not just the stuff that, you know, Knucklebones does, but you know, everything across the map, bluegrass, the Bolshoi ballet, you know, Hal Holbrook as, uh, Mark Twain in theater. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had a, it was cool. The The Kennedy Center's three, actually three venues in that one big building that's on the Potomac, the big white building with the pillars. Right. Uh, so there's a concert hall. It's called the Eisenhower Theater, which is where plays would be. Uh, and then the opera house, where opera and ballet right. would be. And I had the skeleton key, which is the key that opened every door. Everything, yeah. So I was a latchkey kid. So I had the Kennedy Center key and the house key. Around. <laughs> Not many kids can say that back then. On the, on the, on the cross, metal. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> but yeah, I got to, the deal was, you know, go in. The stagehands were like all my, you know, uncles. They'd look after me, sure. make sure. But, you know, if I get a report, you're being a pain in the ass or in the way or causing trouble. You got to stay in the office here. So I had a good time, got to see lots of stuff, but I was definitely cognizant of not messing it up. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Can you give the listeners an idea of some of the the hard rock and metal bands that you got to see at the entire period? Mm -hmm. So um, this is a good story. So the Kennedy Center is is. publicly funded and you think well the kennedy center that's only going to have national symphony and the ballet and stuff like that but they can't do that their charter is they have to promote cultural and artistic diversity so they want lots of different things nice so uh my dad knew that you know the kind of music i listened to he heard what come out of the room and you know in the in the 70s the hard rock you know metal crowds were you know could be a little rough you know i don't even think smoke i don't think smoking was banned <laughs> oh yeah so, so uh he would i figured out he would come and ask me have you ever heard of this band he'd say have you ever heard of uh iggy and the stooges oh i love iggy pop and then you know a couple weeks later hey, have you ever heard of ton rundgren and utopia or Flo and eddie yeah, I love Flo and Eddie. I got this right. And it, I figured out what he was. These bands would never show up. 
And I'm like, hey, Dad, whatever happened to Iggy Pop? Oh, well, they decided not to. So I figured out what he was doing. He was using me as the uh, the censorship block. If I said I liked anything, he couldn't, he couldn't ban it because it wasn't culturally appropriate. What he would do is say that it's a uh, it's a danger to the facility because wow. of the crowd. So I figured out what he was doing. So uh, he comes. This is uh, 1975, I guess. Thirteen, I think, and uh, he comes and says, "Have you ever heard of uh, Queen, Kansas, or Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush?" And I went, "What was the last one?" Frank Marino, Mahogany Rush. No, I've never heard of any of these bands. And he, <laughs> Smart. So he booked them, <laughs> and it was. Uh, I think it was a Saturday, and normally I wouldn't have to go in on a Saturday. But I'm like, hey, Dad, I want to go into work with you on Saturday. He's like, how come? I'm like, well, Queen's playing, right? He's like, yeah, I thought you said you didn't know anything about him. Since then, you know, I checked him out. And, uh, you know, there's a song on the radio. It's pretty cool. Of course, I had the first two Queen records. And right. your heart attack had dropped. So they're on their, Queen's on their first national tour. They're blowing up. And he's like, oh, shit. So he calls the. He calls the box office. Is like, hey, what are sales for Saturday? And you, you can see his face kind of go blank. Uh-huh. Like, man, it was like record sellout. He's like, what's security like? Not standard security. He's like, okay. The security for Kennedy Center is actually the park service. Oh wow! Park service building that run. Uh, park service runs the Kennedy Center. The group that maintains it. He's like, okay, we need mounted police because gate gate crashing was really a thing. Right. Kennedy Center is a big open theater. There's not a door you go through, you know, security. So if people wanted to rush the gate, they could they could do it. So they had to have mounted police. And uh, so, yeah, Queen, Kansas, Mahogany Rush. Those were those were that was one bill. Wow. Now, are you getting to. Are you getting to meet any of these guys in these bands or like what kind of access do you have? I mean, how, how are those memories? Cause I'm totally nerded out right now thinking about well, your access. I, mean, I, was, I was there. I was like the little kid. So when they'd load in with sound check, I'm just hanging out as long as I as long as I stayed out of the way. Yeah. They didn't complain, you know, complain about a little kid being in the way. Wow. Do whatever they want. So I'd, I'd be there all day. So they'd load in, they'd do a sound check. I'd see that. I typically didn't bug anybody to meet the bands. I was just cognizant and not messing it up and being a pain in the ass. So I, you know, if I start doing that, I want autographs and everything. I'm thinking, okay, this, this access might get cut off. I was happy just, you know, to be there. Just be in the moment. Be all access and just do whatever I wanted. Man, that's just so. So cool. I did meet, you know, I did meet plenty of people in, in the. So in that in the in the Queen. The for the Queen show, I was too little to go and have a seat in the audience, and I was usually there by myself. I didn't have an older con. Uh, and what what this uh, what they would do is, um, back then it's not like high tech now where sound is hung. And, you know, 
out of the way. It's, it, you know, they would just bring their big PV speaker cabinets, stack them up on either side of the stage. Right. And it just, you know, and they're in a beautiful concert hall there. They All they would need is the back line and, you know, could fill the, fill the, the whole room, but they didn't, you know, they didn't do that. Right. Right. So I would go and sit behind the stack. So right before the house lights would go down, the head stage hand, his name was Bull, and he looked like a big, a big round Teamster stage hand. He he looked like a bull. He would take a little chair, you know, like the chairs, little plastic chairs you would sit on in, in you know grade school. Yeah, take a little chair and put it right behind the stack, like right up against it. So the crowd couldn't couldn't see me. I'm out of the way of you know if people are going to come in on or off stage. And the rule was, you know, I right before the house lights would go down, go out there and sit, and don't move until one of the guys came to get me and say, "Okay, it's cool to cool to get up," because you know, people coming on off stage they didn't want me to be in the way. Sure, sure. So. Freddie and Brian are stage right. It's a huge metal stage door, you know, just so you can soundproof it. Right. And they're ready to go out and they've got their manager there with the flashlight and bull moves them out of the way. Excuse me, fellas. <laughs> He's in the chair. I walk right by Freddie and Brian and they're like, <laughs> the look on their faces were like really confused. Like what is going, what's going on here? Right. So I walk by him and he goes and puts the chair down. I don't sit. And the door's closing really slowly. And you can see him like looking around the door like, what is going on? Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're, they're really confused. So then lights go down and they come out. So that's how I would see the So I got a little older. I think once I was like, you know, 15, 16, then I could, I could go and sit in a seat if I wanted. But I usually did. I'd just stand at the, stand at the back at the soundboard or just stand or sit stage right or left stay out of the way that's amazing man i gotta i gotta ask you a question just just because i'm so curious uh you get to see get to see van halen in that room or do you get to see ozzy with randy in that room no um ozzy would have been too too big and i don't know when ozzy's right he could have done that yeah that's what i was asking um no i uh van halen um first time i saw van halen they opened for sabbath on never say die yeah 1978 yeah i could remember going to that that show it's over in baltimore we lived in washington so oh like uh capital center capital center was like the home if if i would go and see an arena show so not only could I go to the Kennedy Center, all the theater managers were, you know, knew each other and would sure. comp each other seats. So I could get house seats at Capitol Center or whatever. But this was Baltimore Civic Center. I can remember going over that that show. And I'm not a guitar player, I'm an artist. But, you know, first Van Halen record dropped and we all heard Eddie's guitar. You just assumed it's a bunch of studio trickery. No one had ever heard yeah. anything like that and i'm talking big shit on the way you're not gonna see hear any of that shit that you're on the record it's all it's all studio wizardry and <laughs> whoops <the canary. laughs> and we got there and i don't think 
I don't think Van Halen got a sound check. Michael Anthony was actually like on the stage when the when the when the venue opened, just there at his at his speaker trying to get some some level, I guess. And they come out and I got 35 minutes. And I'm not a Van Halen fanboy. I like Van Halen, but right. uh, not a fanboy for them or super fan for them. But it might be the best 35 minutes live set I ever saw in my life. It was so good. It like it, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> I was like, God damn. <laughs> it's legendary, man. That was I mean, good. That was t- that was too good. Well, that show's legendary, man. It's like that one. Metallic opened it up for Ozzy in 86. There's just those certain legendary shows where you you hear about them when people have been there. And it's just like, yeah, it's just I saw Pantera open up for Skid Row. And that was an amazing like it was about yeah. a 35 minute set. And you just go, yeah, this the whole landscape's changing now. You yeah. can feel it. But I mean, that, that's never say die with Sabbath toward the end. That U.S. leg. So, you know, Sabbath, Sabbath, it was good, but. You know, I think if, if you talk to any of the Sabbath guys, they would say, you know, that's not their, as far as playing live, not their best period. Right. You get the new young, young guns just destroying it. And Sabbath that time, like I say, not, maybe not their best. So it was, yeah, well, like I say, go, going home, it was a weird it was a weird feeling. Oh, I believe it, man. It's like you're peeking into the future. It's, it's crazy. Hey, speaking of stuff like that, so you're not, you didn't really dabble in playing instruments or maybe you did a little bit. How did you, how'd you get to where you are with your company? I mean, were you, were you artistic? Were you yeah, like, I, yeah, I was always, you know, the art kid and have, uh, you know, formal artistic training and then, uh, was early into T3D for TV and film. So that mix all those things. That's how that that's the formula for, for knuckle bones there. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, so you, you went from drawing Eddie on your book covers to really taking formal lessons. And then, then, really, so when were you getting into the 3D stuff? How early on was that? I mean, as, as soon, uh, you know, claymation and stuff, you know, since I was a kid, you know, the ranking yeah. stuff, anything that was, stop motion you know the harry Housen films and all that stuff i like 2d animation i like but the, anything that was 3d was like well that was next level that's what i really like sure sure do so, you yeah, just goofing around with with clay and, and claymation and stuff going up but when the 3d as soon as it moves from supercomputer in the mid eighties and starts to come to where, you know, a, an artist can get access to the hardware. I was involved in that really early. Very, very cool. Do you remember, uh, do you remember your first collectible, your first piece that you did? First collectible that knuckle bones did. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. That was Randy Rose. You mentioned the great Randy Rose. Nice. Very good. 2003. So we actually, we we get the idea for knuckle knuckle bones to be a you know a super fan merchandising collectibles company, and that's about the time people get comfortable putting a credit card number in a field. So direct to consumer is like starting. Yeah, but we were 
you know, very early on that. That's how Knucklebunk was founded. It was going to be a super fan company, direct to consumer. We don't give a shit if Target ever wants anything we make. You know, we're going to make it for a few thousand fans worldwide. That's okay with us. Right. Makes makes complete sense. Now, was it hard? I know a lot about Randy. It's, he's kind of the reason I started playing guitar, him and Eddie. Um, was it hard to get the family to sign off on that? Like, talk to the listeners about what it's like trying to get the authorization, the approval, you know, especially um, with someone that's not alive anymore. With um, with them, it, it yeah, I mean, not easy and because imagine I'm going to go and talk to Dolores Rhodes and, you know, we're a new company. We haven't done a single product. So I have to explain you know we're we're not going to necessarily be worried about retail and stores which people didn't really understand at that at that time and then i had to air puppet this is what it's going to be and we had some 2d art to show her this is kind of what it looks like but she she liked it and appreciated that you know the company was starting what we you know hoped would be a long a long run and we're 20 years old this year yeah we're starting with randy and i you know i told her why um and you know so that was uh you know that was an experience you know dealing right with the family so now what was it was it her and kelly and and kathy or was it just it her? was it was her at the beginning once we actually started working on the project then I worked with mostly Kathy and Kelly. Okay. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is today. We've got we've got a couple of variant new products for Randy Cubbins, as a matter of fact. Excellent. Excellent. It's great great to keep his name alive. Yeah. I saw Randy at the Omni in Atlanta, eighty two, and then they go to Nashville. Yeah. And then they go to Florida and Randy's so Randy was gone two days after I saw him. Wow. What was that experience like? If you don't mind. Yeah. They, and you know, I told that to them and they, they appreciated that I was there, you know, at the beginning, but starting the company with Randy, what you would think, well, you know, wouldn't you try to call Jimi Hendrix or, you know, the, you know, a, some a more household, you know, celebrity type of, you know, musician and we actually went the, the the other way so the thinking was if we can do this and you know fans you know come along with us and get what we're trying to do if we can do it with randy you know eventually we'll work with the beatles and black sabbath and queen and people like that but if if we have success right away it would be because maybe because just that performer is so famous. The the whole idea of what Knucklebones is, you know, a super fan company making things for people who are underserved in some instances. We wouldn't yeah. approve. That's no, it makes it, it makes complete sense because you know, you know, back then we're talking message boards were the thing, and and Randy Randy had a pretty big message board, and a lot of people, you know, there's so much not known about him. There's so little video on him. So the, the people that do follow him are really 
they really follow him. So I, I actually remember when you guys released that because I remember it being on the message boards, on those message board sites, and people like flipping out over like the quality of it. I totally remember that. Um, so you, you, so Randy's the first one you do, and then how does it start going after that? Like, do people start reaching out to you, or do you do a couple more? Then All you right, start yeah. known? Today, that's the way it is today. Today, we really don't do any outbound licensing. People, people generally know who we are, and you know, bands or management will come to us and just say, "What's your schedule look like?" You know, we're we're kind of a year and a half out now. Nice. Uh, but yeah, then it was okay. Let's let's build on that, and uh, so we we got a hold of slashes in Velvet Revolver at that point. Okay, we went to Slash, and we went right. We got right to Slash. Um, and he actually signed his licensing agreement with us himself. Wow, Saul Hudson. We got a Saul Hudson autograph. That's amazing. <laughs> legal document, you know, it's that's not his legal name. Yeah, you so. can't sign it as Slash. <laughs> it was Saul, Saul Hudson. Wow. Uh, and then uh, after that, it was uh, we were going to uh, contact Dime, Dimebag, and and Zach, and uh, we we got to because the Wilds had seen what we did with Randy. That was now that's a much easier conversation because sure. you know, Zach's such a Randy fan. So they, uh, that was the next one. Uh, and then uh, the plan was Dime, uh, Zach was going to introduce us to Dime because he had told him, you know, wh- what he was doing. And <laughs> Dime immediately started making fun of him. Like, what? You're, you're ahead of me? No way. <laughs> I'm a way, way better guitar player than you are. <laughs> That's awesome. And you can imagine, you know, Dime doing it and it's, you know, it's Texas. It's Texas drawl, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, obviously that, um, I was actually on the way to do the photo shoot with, uh, with uh, Zach when, when we lost Dime. Oh, wow. Buddy here is bugging me. Oh, no, no, I love dogs, man. Don't sweat it. This is a fire. The spider from Mars, he, he decided he wants to be on camera today. That's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so you so you're Buddy. on you're on the actual you're actually in the photo shoot when you're here or on the way to the photo shoot? No, I was on the way. So we uh I was on the plane, it was like four in the morning, getting ready to fly in to LA and meet Zach at uh Neil's Lowe's hours too. Oh you know, nice. You know Neil's work. Of course. So all, Molly crew, all the Van Halen, yeah, all the eighties guys. Yeah, so Zlos and and Zach are tight, and he just said, "Why don't we just meet at our studio and we'll do a, a photo shoot?" We don't always do that, but if if the performer is into it, you know, we'll we'll do a photo shoot. Um, so I was on the way and just went to check email real quick before I left and saw the little news blurb, and it's yeah. like. Now what the hell do we do? Because I know they're they're tight. It's four in the morning. So the my Ashley is my wife's co-founder of Knuckle Bones, and we just talked about it. And she said, you know, you got you got to go if if they decide you know they want to power through it and, and and work that day for whatever reason. You know, you can't not show up. 
the worst that's going to happen is you're going to, you know, go to LA and turn around and come back. Um, but I was actually on the plane and Zach's management called and just said, you know, Hey, I don't know if you know the situation. I said, I do. Didn't know, didn't know what to do. And they're like, yeah, Zach's, he's already on the way to Dallas. So got off the plane and, uh, it obviously eventually happened for Dime because the people at Marshall actually called us oh. about doing the Dime statue. Um, Nick Bocott, who was a marketing guy there for a long time. Yeah, Grim Reaper. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, called and said, you know, the family would like you to do the statue. And this wasn't long after we had lost Dime. And I was like a little hesitant. You know, I said, I just we're going to hear it from fans, you know, Oh, of course, you know, you're doing dime bag now, which is, you know, from there from the first Pantera record, saw them open for white zombie. And, but you know how people are, they're just right. the worst. And I said, as long as the family, if, you know, if we get any blowback from this, as long as the family will stand up for us. You know. That's all that matters for sure. And we didn't really get any of that. People were just happy that it was, it was coming. And, uh, we did the first dime bag project in 2006 and he's Ziggy, your head's in the way of dime bag. Can, can you get down? <laughs> yeah. I can see it in the background. Yeah. So this is the reinventing the, the steel era. So that's the third statue we did for, for Daryl. How, how fast are you popping them out? Like, it's just a question I'm curious about because I don't know how long I, I know the McFarland ones, you know, he did a lot of stuff, you know, and I was always curious about how long it takes to actually do something like this. Mm, skull, if we know, okay, we're doing this era in this costume and guitar, you know, we've got all the elements, you know, sometimes it can happen fast, you know, from the time we say go, once we know those things, you know, it can be a, up to two weeks, as low, little as two weeks. Oh, wow. Sculpt is ready. You know, I'm ready to show it to the the management. Now, it, it can also take six months. But sure, sure. We're not, if we're not struggling on approvals or just concept, you know, it can, so let's just say, you know, a month. Yeah. On the side. And then once the, everything's approved by the band or management, once everybody, you know, we, it doesn't go to them until we're happy with it. And, you know, generally if we're happy with it, you know, the management's going to be happy with it, but changes will go back and forth once we're ready. Uh, it, you know, it can be as little as two months to get the first wave of, you know, statues. All this stuff's made by hand. It's handmade mold. Nice. Cast by hand, polished, painted by hand. It could be a little as 60 days, you know, it can be the other side of 90 if the paint is really intricate, you know, you know Randy, for example, if it's the red leather suits, mostly one color, that's going to go faster than if we're doing Jimmy Page in the poppy suit and we got to right. paint all of the details of the embroidered dragon on the suit. Yep. Yeah, it makes so that's where sense. everything else will be kind of consistent. It's if the paint is intricate, that's where it'll get slower. How do you decide the runs? 
like how many how many of a, a run you're going to do on on each is it is it by individual rock star or is it you just have an idea of like i really want to do a run of this many like is there we any set, we set the addition numbers at 3000 okay where rock icons which is the you know the live statue we're most known for um and there's never been more than 3000 of those ever uh actually I take that back for dime bag we did three thousand three hundred thirty three. Thirty three. Right. Makes sense. Lucky number. Um but typically three thousand. We never do more than that. We never re-released anything that's a uh, that's a limited edition. We won't because I mean, as a collector, you know, the, the point of a limited edition is it's gonna be limited, you know, you're not you know, it's a finite number. So right. You've never re-released anything. We get that a lot. Oh, we just found you. Hey, are you ever going to re-release this? And the answer is always nope. Right. Once it's gone, it, once it's gone, it's gone. Now, we'll come back to uh, you know a band with new designs. And I mean, Slayer is a good example. So we did Slayer some years ago, and those have been gone for a while. And we're just we're coming back and just signed a new Slayer license, a new Slayer set from. Uh, I think we're going to go like 92. Okay. With this set. So right when Carrie starts shaving his head, shaving the head and the tattoos more pre pre tattoos. Now the, the band's got to approve it, but that's what we're working on. And that, that's an exclusive. We have this literally happening like this week. So this is a, a scoop here. Nice. <laughs> guitar. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I, I was funny. I was looking through some, and I remember, you know, I, I mean, I peruse on the internet quite a bit, and I'll, I'll see your stuff on, you know, like Blabbermouth or Loudwire or any of those things. You know, I'll see that, you know, advertisements and whatnot. And uh, the Never Say Die one was killer. That was that was great. Love love seeing that. There's there's a lot of the pilot. Cool... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the pilots. That's it. Yeah, that's in production. That'll you know. That one's going a little bit slower. The, the the witch and the pilot are kind of being done side by side. And uh, the paint on Witchy Poo is the portrait there. It's it's going slow. I, I can imagine. I can imagine just looking at that album cover. It would seem like it would not be easy to replicate, you know, that the first. You're talking about the first Sabbath record, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, which, Witchy Poo. Um, do, do you hear my buddy over there? I do. <laughs> He wants to go out, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, the pilot. Um, so that's 3D vinyl. So we've got Rock Icons, which is the performance live piece. Right. And then uh, after we had been doing this about 10 years, we went to a trade show and then another event. And we were talking to buyers and fans. And I heard a couple of times in a short span. This stuff is so amazing. It's so cool. I love this band. I'm never going to buy any of it. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. What was the last thing? <laughs> the important thing? Yeah. This is, this is amazing. I love it. I love this band. I'm never going to buy it. And I'm like, why not? And the two or three times we heard, I just have never bought a figure of any type. And I never will. Not a bobblehead, not a collectible statue of what, you know, what we do. And, uh, so we said we need to figure something out for those that fan. So we just thought, well, everybody likes album art. 
you know, maybe, maybe we could do something with that. And the idea of what we call 3D vinyl came. So, oh yeah. So why don't we do something based on album art? And in this case, you don't need, you know, a man cave or lady cave. Um, this can go on the wall because that's cool. amazing. Yeah, that's the Scorpions Blackout record cover. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And and then we took that one step further. So another line we have for somebody that's just not in the figure category, it's called on tour. So anything that was a tour prop that is famous goes in a road case. Oh, so oh yeah. Yep. And, um, ACDC Hell's Bell. Yep. 1980. Oh, wow. Hell's Bell. So those are the three product lines now, rock icons and 3D vinyl and uh, on tour tour props so on tour has pink floyd pig the kiss sign nice uh, lady justice is a good one nice that's very cool man it's it's uh is there is there one you've done that's your favorite uh <laughs> they're like my children so i'm not supposed to say that but <laughs> stormtrooper is one that it was like it just came together front to back and it's kind of it's bittersweet because uh, I got invited to um, to the Erdogan show in London, and I'm there, and I had a ticket, but to actually get into the venue, you needed a special wristband. They were trying to, you know, counter, you know, the the crazy scalping that was going to Sure, go. sure. So I had a ticket, but they didn't have enough wristbands. So I ended up just sitting in my hotel room in Piccadilly and designing the, the, the Jimmy Page Stormtrooper statue. Just sketched that out, what it was going to be. And uh, it's, yeah, if I had to pick one, that's probably my, my favorite. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though. I, I, pre I appreciate that, man. I mean, it's, you know, you're doing something that's just amazing when you think about it. I mean, I guarantee you don't go to work and not like your job, man. I mean, it's 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 like it's almost like your childhood, a lot of other people's childhood that you're just kind of recreating and just giving them a piece of like some mm -hmm. of their best parts of their lives of getting into music. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, growing up, you know, we didn't have all of the entertainment choices. We had three, three TV channels and. Yep. No game console, you know, until later. You know, the Activision stuff comes out like 12 or 13, I guess. And you didn't have MTV. You had Don Kirshner's rock concert yep. Yep. And, and the ABC rock concert. And, you know, maybe they'd be on a late night show, but probably not, you know, then. And then you had Circus Magazine at Parader and, uh, cream yep was it yeah and and the album you know the album art and then the album uh sleeves so yeah the reverence and stuff that was just so important growing up and still and still is that's that's why we did it we just again we know anytime we do something there's going to be three thousand people that are going to participate in something we do and that's that's all we care about that's awesome, man. And, and you can tell that you care about it, too, because a lot of the stuff that I've seen over the years, you know, stuff researching uh, for this podcast, it's like 
for me, I'm like, yeah, they got that totally right. They got this totally right. And only people that would get that right like that would be fans, in my opinion, you know, knowing, knowing that, knowing that culture, having that pulse on, like, you remember what was, what was hip, what was going on, what was important to you, thinking of like the Diary of a Madman back, you know, backdrop, which was amazing, the castle setting. I mean, when did you ever see that in 81 anywhere? You know, those type of things. Like you said, the Pink Floyd, the pig flying across, you know, the wall being built, the, there's so many of those classic things. Uh, think of the Master Puppets backdrop, backdrop you know, uh, like you said, the Justice one where where Lady Justice falls down at the end of the concert in 88. I mean, there's so many of those visual things somewhere in time, you know, that stage set up, the, the Seventh Sun stage set up. I mean, there's, it, it, it's like you guys hit the nail right on the head with all of that to me, which I think is awesome personally. Is there um, a lot of people didn't get to see it? Right. Know, more, more people didn't get to see it than got to see it. Right. right. Famous. You know, not everybody, the band didn't come to your, your area or you couldn't afford it or, you know, whatever, you know, I've, I've got holes in my resume that, you know, I'm never going to be able to fix that. I just, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I didn't get to see it. It's you're not wrong, man. I, you're not wrong at all. I remember seeing, uh, remember having a chance to see Steve Ray Vaughn. And uh, I passed because I was saving up money to buy my first real electric guitar. And then he passed away like a month or two later. You know, I was kicking myself yeah. in the butt for that one. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a hole. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, luckily for me, I, I have not a lot of holes, but there's a, you know, there's a few that, you know, I, I didn't get to, I didn't go see Thin Lizzy in Philina. Uh, I wish I could have seen that. I wish I could have seen them, man. Oh my God. In any case, if I miss, if there's a hole in the resume, I played sports, you know, all through the kid, all the way through college. So many a show I missed because it was game day and it yeah. just would kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, many of shows I didn't get to see because I was playing shows. You know what I mean? And and so it was a drag when you're like, oh, Rush is playing yeah. literally down the street and I can't go because I'm playing this casino or this show or this place in town. Yeah. It's like, shit, you know? So, yeah, so there's a, a whole few holes in the resume. And we just we just did a Thin Lizzy piece that I'm really I'm really happy with. But yeah, that'd be a that'd be a band I'd like to uh, to have seen. Oh, man, absolutely. Have you seen that? Do you see the documentary that just came out like a year or two ago? I'm sorry, the what? Have you seen the documentary that came out about Phil a no, year or two ago? No. Oh, it's dude, it's, one? Yeah, it's so good. About, about about a year or two ago, it's is so it, it's so it good. Netflixable? Uh, no, I purchased it. I can't remember, and I can't remember what the name of the title is of it. But it's really good. It's it's you learn yeah, why they didn't check it out. Yeah, check it out. You learn why they didn't become huge in America like they should have. It's really. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's, which I'm, is- I won't give it. I won't give it away. But when you hear it in the in the film, you're like, "Oh wow, that makes sense." And that's crazy. That's why, man. I, I won't give it away. But yeah, th- that band is so criminally underrated. With some of the best guitar players in that band, Phil is just I mean, the, the Twin Attack, great timekeeper, and you know, Phil Lynott. Look, look in the dictionary next to friggin' rock star. <laughs> Phil Lynott's pictures there. <laughs> oh, hands down, man. Hands down. I mean, Live and Dangerous is one of my favorite live records. I just such a badass band, man. I mean, you have Gary Moore. You have Gary Moore. You have John Sykes, Scott Gorham. 
I mean, you got monsters in your band uh, through their whole time period of their band, not just, you know, you're not talking about having one great guitar player or two great guitar players like a, a Smith and Murray. I mean, you've got, and there, and, you know, and the sound changed over time, but it's still always with Thin Lizzy, you know, just. They were just, you know, they could do, they could do anything. And, you know, Phil Lennart's songwriting's amazing, but I mean, they could just crunch and play fast and then just give you the, Great ballads, great Playing ballad, and you know that's who could do that. Not not every band could do that. No, not the way they did, man. Not the way they did for sure. Is there a holy grail for you? Is there like an artist you really want to do that you haven't had the chance to do? You said right now uh, people reach out to you, but is there somebody that you really want to do that you haven't been able to do yet? Yeah, I mean we have an Eddie Van Halen statue that's finished, and so. You know, not long after we founded the company, I got Eddie's management. There's no Van Halen management, you know, at that point. Right. Um, and uh, would get, he seemed to have different management every year. Oh, wow. We would, you know, one, once a year, I'd contact the management and say, you know, let's, can we, can we do this? And I'd say what we're doing and uh, we'd get a polite, Thank Ed. Ed says thank you, but no. And then we did that once, and um, got the polite no. And then, like a month later, I get this weird email from a odd AOL uh, address. It says, "Hey, this is Eddie. Uh, I understand you wanted to speak to me about some statue or something. My manager never told me about it. Can you call me?" So I'm, I'm immediately going, okay, this is really good trade craft. Somebody, one of my friends is right. Goofy. But there's a number, it's a 310 number. And I'm like, all right, I'll play. So I call the number and it's voicemail. And I'm like, and they went to a lot of trouble. That actually sounded like Eddie Van Halen on the, on the, on the message. Right. About 10 minutes later, the same number calls me back. Hey, Tony, how you doing? This is Ed. Uh, tell me about what this this is now, because my I just fired my manager and I never saw this. Wow! So I explained what we're doing, and he said, "Oh, that sounds cool." It's um, and it was right before Thanksgiving. And this would have been eh, fifteen years ago, I guess. Right. And he's like, "Can we do it after the holidays? Wolfie's coming in, and you know this and that." And I'm like, "Sure." So we'll go to follow up in January. I call him back. No call back. Call him back again. He's got a new management group. I go to the management group and it comes back. But Ed looked at it and says thanks, but he's he's not it's not something he wants to do right now. So we're back to uh, back to square one. Still got his cell phone in my phone in there. Wow. Uh, a little over two years ago, his attorney, who was the head guy at. Uh, Fender guitar lead, okay. lead counsel was Ed's attorney, you know, right up until he passed away. And he called and said, you know, Hey, this Ed's interested in doing this. You know, are you, would you still consider it? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we started working on it and it was, you know, we're literally doing final details and Ed passes away uh and it 
when that happens, then all the business and, you know, all of his businesses and everything around his image and likeness rights, everything all changes. So, you know, as of today, it's just not something they want to do again. So it's, we've got him 1978, that first tour, got the white sparkly shirt with the maroon pants, the white shoes with the white, the white and black strap with the white, Frankenstrat with the with the big back line and the speaker bump. So it's the whole rig. Uh. And he's on one knee, you know, with his mouth open. And it was up here in the studio and I finally just took it down. We put it in the vault because I it would I'd I'd look at it and get kind of bummed. So I put it away. <laughs> just like, Man. Didn't want to look at it. That's so a heartbreaker. It'll hopefully it'll happen at some point. And generally that's always the answer. Hey, you're gonna do this artist of this artist provided fan want fans want it we think it's a good idea the answer um answer is yes it's just when we can only do so many products a year we're not a huge company yeah and you know jimmy pages you know told us no for two or three years in a row and then it was yes and we did the two statues with him how weird of a call is that when you get the yes like compared to the two, three no's, you're kind of thinking, all right, well, this is kind of it. And then I know where that yes comes. Uh, that was weird because we got a yes and we signed the contract. And it was like a year later of Jimmy's, he's really busy. He wants you to see the poppy suit. And we're like, tell us where to be. Yeah, and of course. He was, he was doing some stuff in uh, South America for a charity at that point. So he was basically gone out of London for a year. And then I called back and said, it's been a year. This is not happening. Let's just put a pin in it. And, you know, Jimmy gets to a point he wants to do again. We'll come back to it. And um, they said, well, I think he just came back. You know, let let me check and, and you know, we'll get back to you. And his manager called right back and said, can you be in London next week? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, he's got the suit for you. He's going to hire a model to, to model it, you know, take whatever photos, wow. do whatever you want. And, you know, in that case, the, um, there's so much detail in that suit. Usually we can, you know, with video and photographs, we can kind of cobble together what we need and we don't need a live photo shoot or something. Right. Like that. There was so much detail in that. We really needed it. So we fly to London and uh, we have the meeting where our hotel and his management comes over and we have the meeting on, okay, this is the rules for meeting Jimmy page. And I'm like, Oh, this is, here we go. <laughs> don't say this. Don't say that. Don't talk about this. Don't ask about this. And I'm like, okay. So basically don't talk to Jimmy page. Just no, we're not saying that. <laughs> I'm like, look, <laughs> it's great. If Jimmy's going to be there. Great. We're not going to bug him. You know, we're just, we're going to get what we need and be polite and, you know, get out of his way. So they say, okay, great. Here's the time. And they're like, oh, uh, my wife, the co-founder who run, does all the marketing and operations here. When a, when a product gets done, I hand it off to that side and I never come back to it. That's how we don't kill each other. Right. Right. Uh, and they, they said, well, only one of you can go to this shoot. And, and they excuse themselves and, Ashley's like, all the way to London, and now I'm not going to get to go. I said, just hang on, work, work with me here. Right. So I've got to do a live 
you know, photo shoot with a model and it's going to, it's going into the laptop live. So we're checking that the photos are good because we want to shoot it and then leave and realize we don't have what we need. Right. So I'm like, okay, so which one of you guys is going to do Ashley's job? Cause she's going to be on the laptop checking focus and I have to pose the model and make sure she doesn't move. Uh, it was a six foot one female fashion model uh, in the poppy suit. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Running fashion model. Wow. So I said, which one of you guys are going to do that? Because if you mess it up, uh, it's on you. It's not on us. And you, you need to be doing all this stuff and check this up. And I made it sound just ridiculously hard and technical. Right. But it wasn't. I was just. You're like we're I both meeting them. Look at them a little bit. Like, okay, hold on. Yeah, that's plus one. You, you guys are good. So we said, give us the address. And they're like, we're not telling you where Jimmy Page lives. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll send a car. Okay, fine. Cause I won't be able to look at an address when we get, well, am I going to be blindfolded? <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay. Um, so we go, the car picks us up and drops us off at this, it's a townhouse, a row of townhouses, not far off Piccadilly and, london and you know they're you know nice i mean it, it, it is london super expensive anywhere in london but um we're like huh this doesn't really look like jimmy page level and we right. go in and we like we call and say we're here where are you and they're like we'll come upstairs so we go upstairs and there's a person working in an office and no uh no uh jimmy know anybody and we call back and said well we're upstairs what is up yeah and they're like what do you mean you're upstairs we're up there's two rooms up here and i'm like well they're like what do you see and i'm like well there's this poster and this poster like you're at sanctuary records they dropped us off at the record company oh wow and they're like you're at the wrong place you're late i'm like your car dropped us off here because you wouldn't give us address. the address <laughs> Here's the address. You got to get here. You're late. So now we're super stressed. Right. So we go to a place that it's like, okay, this is it's the largest townhome I've ever seen. And I sure. like to make a city block. Yeah. This is probably a place that Jimmy this is the right zip code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we go through the garage to go in a, a work area in the back. There's a bunch of Marshall stuff laying around. Yeah, This is Jimmy. So I go up the spiral staircase and I can hear him talking and hitting Ashley in the butt. She's going up the stairs. <laughs> okay, be cool. Right, uh, right. Just turn it off and be cool. Over, I know. And like, so sorry, you know, so sorry you got taken to the wrong address. It's, you know, somebody goofed up here. That's our fault. Here's the model. Let me know if you need anything. Uh, it was the coolest guy and Ashley got to talk to him the like the whole 45 minutes we were there or an hour and I was busy doing the, the work. And you know, right then I got to talk to him. He was super interested about the whole, were you interested in how long and how and everything? Yeah. Want to know everything about the process. And he's, oh, cool. cause he's a production guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's absolutely. All records and he didn't want to know how everything was done. And finally they said, Jimmy, you got to go. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm, excused himself and he leaves real quick so we get back uh day or two later back to the states 
And we realized where he went was he had to go to band practice because they were they were in rehearsals for the Erdogan. Uh, oh, yeah. So oh, wow. Band practice. That's why he was late. Wow. That's amazing. Dude, what an amazing story, man. Just band think. Practice. So, yeah, oh. he we didn't get a picture with him. Didn't get an autograph. It was like we're, we're working and it was over. And uh, it was like, oh, we, we should, I guess we should have done some of that. We didn't, we didn't think about it. <laughs> you just <laughs> in the moment, over. man. You yeah. know what I mean? And he's like, huh. Um, buddy, is, is he uh, so loud that do we need to take a break for a second? Nah, you know what? We'll just do real quick. We'll just, we'll just end it right here if you want, man. I just want to, uh, Let's, I mean, you've been so Sorry. gracious. Nah, you've been so gracious with your time, man. I've super enjoyed the conversation. Is there uh what's uh what's the newest product? What's uh what's what's on the horizon right now? Uh, so ACDC, Angus and Malcolm uh are gonna drop um into this month and then Randy Rhodes variants. So the red leather suit, we're gonna do the brown leather suit with the polka dot and the Concord Jackson. Oh so there'll only be 250 of those very cool super hot uh fear of the dark for maiden is coming slayers nice. coming um that'll that'll get us to the fall right right very cool very cool uh, amazing i really appreciate you tony thanks for uh thanks for coming on the show and talking to us man we really do appreciate always, that very much always good to talk music absolutely man you want to give the uh, website address real quick on on here for everybody to find you guys knucklebones.com knuckle like your hand b-o-n-z like zebra perfect perfect hey my friend have a great 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 rest of your day man thanks for coming on the show cool nice meeting you bye you, you too take care